Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-hosts, Xavier Sanchez and Danny Miller. Much like the uh, end of the White Sox season, we are having uh, a little bit of a stutter here. Um, so, how you guys feeling this week? You guys doing all right? Yeah, not too shabby. You know, just another uh, adventure of uh, winter wonderland here creeping into the Chicagoland area. So, you know, enjoying that. Yay. Yes, indeed. How you doing, Xavier? Uh, I'm doing well. But, you know, the I'm starting to get not not too, too worried because I'm not thinking about baseball yet. But uh, there there has been some movement in the division, so... As I say, the, the, that one team's creeping up, and it's made, made a move to creep even closer. Yeah, I assume that uh, the team you were talking about uh, making moves is the uh, Detroit Tigers, who have uh, now signed uh, Tucker Barnhart, well, got Tucker Barnhart via trade, and then uh, just signed uh, Escobar today. Um, left-handed starting pitcher who's had some issues with uh, staying uh, healthy. But, um, you know, as a uh, guy who's been looking at uh, pitchers that are available in the market, he was one that I had actually looked at and thought that it would be a, uh, a candidate for the White Sox to sign. And... Uh, Lo and behold, he's signing like a five-year, 70-something million dollar contract, which uh, is probably uh, far more than he would have gotten from the White Sox, judging by uh, looking at their financials as of right now. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be a uh, interesting offseason. I mean, it's uh, between the CBA coming uh, full circle here on December 1st and uh, that possibly throwing a wrench into the gears if it were you know as it were uh, of the White Sox machine um, seems to be a I don't know I, I, I I'm kind of kind of wondering where this where this offseason is gonna go. Uh, as they haven't made any moves yet, which, you know, for the team that won the division, you know, everybody else is looking up at them. So uh, we, we know that they have talent on the roster, um, and it's going to be one of those things where they got to get all the complementary pieces. But I don't know. Um, I was kind of thinking that they'd probably come out of the gate hot, and uh, we're, you know, not that it's really been all that long, but, you know, we're still uh, waiting on that. Uh, waiting on that move to uh, start um, filling in that roster. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, like we, we had this conversation last week um, that I kind of figured that, you know, we were looking at a fast-moving offseason. And sure enough, you know, well, at least, at least our uh, division rival Tigers are off and running quick. Um. What are you thinking, Danny? You thinking uh, you think they're coming with something soon, or? Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. We, you know, I at least, and and I'm sure some other folks here, 
uh, including some of our followers in the uh, in the chat, have been talking about how uh, Detroit is a team that looks like they're uh, an up and comer, and uh, you know there has been some speculation that they're still a few years away, which you know looking at last season's team would be correct, but uh, you know with the hiring of the their new manager last season, last off season. And the uh, speculation that, uh, you know, his connection with Carlos Correa might be something that would lure a, uh, you know, arguably the top uh, free agent position player available this year. And uh, now with uh, some pitching signings and some other whispers in the works. uh, Yeah, they could be a thorn in the White Sox side here coming up. You know, and we've also talked about how they have played. Uh you know, just just this last season, the 2021 season, you know, from mid-May on, they pretty much hung with our White Sox with a roster that should not have been able to compete with one as, uh, let's say, heavy or loaded as the White Sox roster was expected to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit of pressure. I'm not real big on the, the Rodriguez signing for them. I think they may have overpaid, but uh, if this is going to set the – uh, starting pitcher market, which I doubt it will, but if there's if it's any indication, this could be a rough, rough off season uh, money wise. But uh, you know, I'm not going to put too much thought into that at the moment. And as you said, with the impending uh, CBA looming, uh, all of this could change rather quickly. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see. Uh, you know, I really don't see. The, uh, I I would assume that there's probably going to be like possibly a, a bump in the uh, luxury tax amount, um, as inflation is uh, as inflation is going. You know, you got to figure that some of these guys are going to start to make a little bit more money, um, and I assume that probably one of the things that's going to end up happening is that the the salary floor is also going to go up. Um, as, as far as on on a player level. And then I also, uh, would not be, uh, entirely shocked to find out that there is now a, uh, salary floor for team on a, on a team level, you know, that they want to, uh, start putting, uh, you know, making everybody at least make somewhat of a concerted effort to try and be somewhat competitive and not allow people to tank. Um, right. So, you know, doing that, I I only have to, uh, you know, the math doesn't add up if they make the salary, you know, like the salary floor higher, that they're not going to make the, the roof taller as well in, in, you know, at least what I would think anyway. No, and I, I kind of have to agree with you there because I, I believe that, you know, from the player standpoint, you know, there's a lot of things on their list that they look to accomplish with uh, with the new uh, CBA uh, agreement. And uh, I, one of the big things I think is going to be, you know, fair treatment money monetarily. And if you're going to raise the minimum league minimum, you're going to have to raise uh, overall payroll as well. These guys are looking to get paid uh, as much as possible 
And I think that's going to be a big thing. So, you know, raising the bar on the com- uh, competitive balance tax threshold is going to have to be a part of that as well, too, because the only way that they're, they're, a lot of these guys are going to get paid the way they want to get paid is if you loosen the reins on the ownership and uh, the penalties they're going to have to pay as well. So uh, I expect some things to be changing there. I do, how much, <laughs> you know, th- that number is uh, is a whole nother uh, conversation and it's going to be difficult to tell, but I assume that's probably going to be a big topic coming here soon. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, uh, things have been coming to a head here for, uh, I don't know, the last uh, five, six years. Uh, the owners, you know, at least, you know, from an outside perspective, you know, from the way I was looking at it, it seems like without uh, without colluding, it seems like they're colluding. You know, they're saying that, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z players aren't worth this particular amount of money. And um, it, it just seems like overall, everybody's making less money as far as the players go. You know, that I mean, not to say that, uh, you know, we've had this conversation as well, that there were times where... <laughs> these contracts were getting out of hand and guys who had no business making, you know, seven year deals in, you know, like in the $200 million range had, you know, they had absolutely no business making this kind of money and uh, things got out of hand for a little while, but then, you know, over the last, you know, somewhere around like 10 years ish, you know, things kind of started to, you know, trend downwards a little bit. And now it seems like, uh, you know, I, I've heard many uh, different podcasts and uh, you know journalists. Uh, you know the uh, the the big network guys speaking on um, the fact that uh, starting pitching is not as much of a premium as it was previously because they're not pitching as many innings now, and um, because of that the teams are going to want to you know start paying them less cuz they're pitching less innings now i don't know exactly how that balances out because the good pitchers are still good pitchers and they still pitch innings and uh you know i i don't think that uh i don't know the players unions not going to not going to like that and i don't think that they're going to necessarily settle for uh that that kind of thinking uh, your thoughts, Xavier, on this? Oh, sorry. One of the things I also was going to say that it has been a long time coming, and I, I'm curious to see if this, this today's signing is like one of the few that we'll even see this month. I feel like we're going to see a lot of teams just waiting it out until they see what happens after. Uh, December first, you said correct. Yeah, is the it? Well, that's when it starts. Yeah, exactly. That's when the CBA Who knows ends. How long it's we'll see. Take yeah, we'll see. Oh, yeah, that's when that. the uh, the discussion should be, you know, starting anyway. But uh, who knows where they uh, where they'll conclude? But my thought on that whole thing is, you know, I'm going to back up the truck just a little bit here and go back to, you know, we're talking about trying to make the league more competitive as a whole and, and, you know, take this whole idea of tanking 
or rebuilds out of the you know out of play and things of that nature. There are you know there's one uh, super agent in particular <laughs> who has had a lot to say about this. Uh, it's a name that we all know and many of us are prone to uh, dislike. But uh, you know, guys like him have wanted to see more money thrown in the direction of the players. And let's be frank, you know, he can talk about how he's trying to take care of his guys, but realistically, this guy's lining his own pockets every time. And every time you see one of these players make a mega deal, like you're talking about where it kind of got out of control for a while there, uh, each one of those mega deals plays a big role in the amount of money left to spend on some of the players that are in the tiers below them. So, you know, he can run his mouth about, you know, who deserves what and when. But the reality is, is he's actually making the idea of tanking so much better by demanding these mega deals for guys who, like you said, don't necessarily deserve these huge contracts. Each one of those big contracts takes away money from the little guys. So, you know, you got to find a good balance. I don't know if or how that's going to happen, if it's going to happen at all. But. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh uh the the argument in that room and at that table is going to be one that's going to be fought pretty pretty wildly and i, I can't even try to begin to, to predict where it's going to go uh both sides are going to have to make some concessions and you know i think as far as uh managers management goes team owners and the money spenders uh you know we can talk about collusion without colluding all we want but uh they'll, they're gonna have to find ways because i think uh they're gonna get boned here or you know the players feel like they've been getting boned and i think there has been a little on both sides so interesting to see how that's gonna go yeah um yeah the whole thing just seems like uh like like it's, it, we we've been waiting for this one and we knew that this was probably going to be like uh one of the bad um negotiations and uh you know we'll see we'll see where it goes but i i certainly don't see it being negotiated by december 1st um you know huh. <laughs> and uh i would be i would be more or less shocked if you know, we're not looking at this in spring training and wondering what's what's going on, you know? Well, here's an even better question for you guys. Let's prognosticate one thing here. And I'm not going to say if there is. I'm going to ask the question, how long of a work stoppage do you guys think there's going to be? Because in my mind, I don't believe there's any way that they get through to spring training with a full agreement on board that everybody feels happy with. I could be wrong, but just a, just a guess. Anybody? Xavier, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be a work stoppage? And if so, how long do you think it's going to last? Um, I, th- I don't think we'll get the season on time. I'm not too sure. When they had the one in 94, how long was that? Like, when, it kept in the middle of the season till like, when? Yeah, it cut the... Uh, I don't know when they yeah. when they finally fi- uh, figured it out, but, I mean, obviously it happened in the middle of the season and killed the World Series that year. I don't remember exactly uh, 
what when they ended up uh f- you know signing a deal and getting done with that could have easily been a good four four-ish months or more then yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the work stoppage it would happened in what late mid to late august if i'm not mistaken <laughs> sounds that right season uh and the white Sox. you know some people will tell you the white Sox had the best record in baseball but that that's i don't believe that's true i think they had the second or third best record in baseball they'd kind of fallen off like the last week and a half two weeks yeah before that work stoppage happened but um you know nonetheless we're one of the best teams in baseball and a lot of people blame uh the chairman for uh that whole debacle being that he was the uh that the the head of the beast that uh started that owner's lockout so Oh, wow. Uh, All right. So the strike began on August 12th, 1994, and the strike was suspended on April 2nd, 1995. Uh, 232 oof, days. So, in, so, yeah. So, right around the time the, t- the season should have been starting back then. I think back knowing in the, that in the it, mid-90s, uh, it started like the first week of April, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Knowing how long weird. that one is, I, I'm not feeling too comfortable at. Not even a, a March date, or even an April date. Could 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 be a maybe not a season. I don't know. We'll have to see. But it won't be White Sox first- fans. That's going to be a real downer. You know, this is supposed to be the the height of our competitive window here. What well, are your thoughts, Ian? What do you uh, got? You know, you it's thinking? that's been one of the things that we've been talking about for what like two years now that we knew that this CBA was not going to get done and that it was going to be a a big fight because there's a bunch of stuff that the players want that the owners don't want to give up. And uh and it's right, you know, we knew it was going to be right at the, you know, like basically at the the beginning arc of the White Sox uh rebuild, you know, that it's it's kind of coincides with the CBA, you know, like we're supposed to be getting to that level where we're, you know, making runs at the ALCS and the World Series. And, uh, you know, here's the... Now, judging by 1994 and judging by other things that I've heard about the ownership of this team, you know, you've got the Chicago White Sox on their way up trying to make it to the World Series, and then you've got the guy who owns the team leading the charge for the owners against the players, putting his team and their success in peril by doing so. So he can save himself a, you know, a couple million bucks a year, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's not, uh, that's not comforting, you know? As a uh, as no, a White Sox I, I will fan, be one of those, I will be one of those uh, torch toting, pitchfork waving people uh, right outside the stadium if that happens. I'm gonna throw up a tent in the uh, the uh, White Sox bar, the Shy Sox bar parking lot. <laughs> I'm just gonna lob empty Budweiser bottles at Jerry's office. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even drink Budweiser. How how could you, as a White Sox fan, if that indeed does, uh, you know, the, the lockout ends up taking that kind of a, a turn and postponing the season, 
Um, as a White Sox fan, how are you not supposed to get aggravated and upset that you know that it's Jerry Reinsdorf is one of the key components in leading the charge for the ownership that's causing this lockout? You know, meanwhile, you've got this team, you know, that's supposed to be starting their run, and here's the owner, you know, basically making it so they're not allowed to do so. Oof. Man, this internet speed is brutal. You guys there? You guys got me or no? Yeesh. All right, I see you guys moving now, so that's a good sign. Um, You guys there? Yeah, Yeah. I just got you back. It was uh, quite uh, interesting seconds there yeah man i i have no idea what's going on with the connection over here um although it looks like the connection's at least a little better now um i'm still dropping frames uh but it's a lot less frames i think than it was before but i mean i have no idea what's going on here i don't know why it's having such an issue um yeah yeah, I mean, more or less. What billions used to say the show must go on. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that uh, more or less what's going to happen here is that we're going to end up recording this, and it's just going to more or less go to you know straight to uh, straight to podcast because I don't see. Um, I don't know. It, I, it looks like the rate's a little bit better now, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we can get away with this, but holy cow, man! Um, yeah. Yeah, there was something very psychedelic going on there for a, for a moment. Yeah. Like in and out, in and out. Yeah. Oh man, this I I don't I've I have no idea. I did a um, I did a speed test, um, right while you guys were having all those issues, and uh, the the connection, the output, uh, got better. Uh, when I did that, but you guys basically lost everything. You know, you guys lost uh, picture and everything. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. Uh, it says that my speed is okay. Um, so it's obviously it's a something with a uh, a problem with a connection to a Twitch server or something. So it might end up being that you know this ends up going straight to uh, podcast because nobody can actually uh, see the stinking hey. stream. As long as OBS is recording, we yeah. got a uh, we got a podcast. So yep, let's roll with the punches and work our way through it. And we'll apologize to our viewers and just say, uh, you know, if you're here and you're sticking with us, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate right. that. Internet be if, damned. Uh, if you brutal. lose us, sorry. Uh, you can check us out tomorrow on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know, man. This this whole uh, this whole labor thing it's it's really not a Certainly, as a White Sox fan, is not any fun to talk about um, because this is when we're supposed to be happy, and here we are wondering whether, you know, you, you know that they're going to probably try and get something done before December first, um, but if they manage to get something done before December first, and it's actually worth something, okay, cool. But as soon as December 1st happens, everything's suspended, and nobody can sign, nobody can do anything, and 
basically, you know, you're essentially tying the hands of the front office behind their back for every single team. And I'm I'm not not even just complaining for, you know, White Sox fans' sake. You know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, every single team. Nobody, you know, anybody that doesn't do something by December 1st has no idea what they're going to spring training with other than the guys that are currently under contract. And let's not forget that the first week of December is typically when the winter meetings are held. So, uh, you know, and that's something that as, as passionate fans, we all kind of look forward to because even if the hot stove is only simmering at that time, there is still some movement and there's a lot of talk of movement, even if that movement doesn't happen until later, but we get a lot of good uh, insider info during that time. And if everything shuts down, on the first, you know, we can talk about the the beginning of the season next year. And if that's going to be held up or spring training, if that's going to be held up because of work stoppage, but it's going to be a really long winter. If there's not an agreement, because there's going to be absolutely nothing. It's going to be hush, hush across the board. And that's going to be, uh, Oh, I don't know. I, it's going to have me, it's going to give me the jitters, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be like a, I'm going to be like a craghead waiting for that next hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about going, you know, like we're going to go over starting pitching here in a little bit. Um, Speaking of that, you know, about having the jitters is that if you don't get anything done by December 1st, you just lost a five-war pitcher by not giving him the qualifying offer, which, you know, I've heard – Numerous different arguments over the last week about, you know, for and against the qualifying offer being extended to Rodon. And I understand both sides of the argument, you know, that he would more than likely probably have accepted the qualifying offer. And now you're paying him $18.4 million. And then you've got uh, Giolito, who's coming up for a negotiation for his contract. And you're paying Keuchel. You know, $18 million, you're paying uh, Lance Lynn like 22 and now you're paying Rodon 18.4 for this year. You know, you see what, uh, you know, obviously Giolito is going to want his money, so you're going to have, you know, $100 million, you know, more or less tied up, you know, in your starting rotation, more or less without, you know, obviously Dylan Cease is still only, uh, you know, making yeah. uh, league minimum, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, you know, so eighty million dollars uh, on your starting staff, and that's funny too because I just saw I read an article earlier, uh, a couple hours ago actually, uh, from uh, the guys over at Showdown, who uh, suggested the White Sox should look into taking a shot at Robbie Ray, who is likely going to win the Cy Young. Um. I just want to know where they think the money's going to come from being that the Sox have the fifth highest payroll in baseball right now and still have a bunch of other holes they need to fill. And, you know, and, and this is all going again on what we know of the current uh, collective bargaining agreement and the current uh, competitive balance tax threshold. But, you know, there isn't a whole lot of space there. I think moves are going to have to come via trade and we're going to have to look at some in-house options for that. But, you know, you're talking about, like you said, 80 to 100 million in your current starting rotation. And you want to add up, you know, a guy who's probably going to get north of 28 million a year 
for however long he signs yeah. for coming up here. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's highly unlikely. So, yeah. So, uh, crazy buffering again. Well, it's showing that it's green on my end. Finally, showing that I'm not dropping well. any frames. So, uh, as long as it says that I'm not dropping any frames, um, then I don't know what's going on. But uh, it's at least showing that I got a decent connection now. So, um, as I say that, I see it kick. Oh, it's kicking down on the drop frames. Fantastic, percentage-wise. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Kendall, uh, White Sox Premium K, seems to think that nothing's going to get done by December 1st. Um, and, you know, I... There's, Probably true. There's, there's motivation from the GMs that they'd like to get something done before December 1st because they don't want to have to go into spring training not knowing what they're having. But there's not much motivation for the players, you know, if I'm looking at it from their side, is that it doesn't seem like there's much motivation for them to sign early other than, uh, say, you know, somebody is worried that they're not going to have a job after the CBA, if somebody comes knocking and they're like, oh, well, I don't know what kind of offers I'm going to get afterwards, so I'm going to do this now. And I don't see – I see that being the uh, the outlier, you know, as far as uh, contract negotiations. And, I, and I, mean, let's, I mean, just look at Detroit. They just signed a starting pitcher for five years and $77 million or something like that. And yeah, – uh, Like 15 point – three or four or something like that per year. And, uh, you know, he, the guy he hasn't had, been healthy. No, he hasn't been healthy. But before uh, before the 2020 season, which he did not play in, he did have a couple of years of uh, sub-3-5 ERA. Last year he had like 31 or 32 starts and was, you know, mid to upper fours. So I don't know. I like, you know, like many have already said, I don't necessarily agree that's going to set the tone. But, you know, you talk about motivation of, of the GMs and, and owners. Owners aren't making any money unless there's ball games being played. So that's their motivation. GMs need to figure out what, uh, you know, what kind of roster they're going to be able to put together before the season starts. And then, you know, the motivation for the players comes down to the same thing. Now, the, the players have a lot of gripes. But in the end, they don't get paid unless they play. And, uh, you know... You're going to miss part of the season. Your contract's going to be prorated to that. Unless somehow, some way in this new CBA, they work their way around that. But I can't see anybody agreeing to uh, paying somebody for not working. Yeah, as so. uh, White Sox Premium K mentions, he says uh, owners don't care what GMs think, which clearly uh, that's that's uh, obvious. But he says uh, owners have shown that they have no issues locking players out before. And... On top of that, we know that they don't mind having less games in a season either. See uh, the 2020 season, you know, where they uh, kept on stalling and kept on stalling and kept on stalling on the agreement for how much, uh, you know, for what kind of salaries the players were going to get. And they ended up keeping on stalling until it ended up a 60-game season, you know. So, I don't know, man. This is just one of those things that... I don't see it uh, being an easy fix or a quick fix. 
And uh, it's, you know, like we talked about just a little bit ago, you know, being a White Sox fan and seeing this happen when your window of contention is supposed to be, you know, time. And now we're going to go back to uh, pitchers not having a full 162 again, not throwing their innings again, people getting hurt because they have less innings, you know, playing less games. It's going to cause injuries again, just like that, you know, supposedly it caused injuries you know i don't know how much you know i mean it's it's all subjective i mean you could say it's because of this and because of that but i mean realistically there has to be some sort of a uh some sort of a thing where you know going back and forth between playing a full season and a half season that it's got to screw with your your body's physiology you know yeah uh last thing i want to see is another shortened season where you know Half of the entire White Sox organization from, you know, rookie league all the way up to the major league club has got, you know, hamstrings popping like rubber bands and shoulders falling off and elbows with TJs, you know, left and right. That's, I mean, it, you know, uh, I I saw something earlier this week that said that, uh, you know, Rick Hahn, Jerry Reinsdorf, TLR all kind of agreed that they need to reassess uh, strength and conditioning. And and training programs. I was and, just going to bring know, that all, up. Yep, that's all fine and dandy, but uh, you know, like you said, if we're going to have work stoppages, and we just had a really big one where you only you play a third of a season, or you know, ish, and then you go through that you play a full season where injuries pop up all over the you know across the the board for the league. And now we're going to, you know, see another stoppage or shorten spring training and shorten camp. Like, ooh, that's going to get ugly. You know, this is a this is the perfect storm of ugly for baseball right now. And, uh, it, you know, I don't feel good about it. And you talk about, as White Sox fans, how, how rough it is because this is supposed to be our window of contention. And that's that's absolutely true. There's a handful of teams out there that are right in the same kind of uh, – competitive window as the white Sox are but it's not fun for it's not fun for any fan base and uh this you know not to mention that i've been saying it for years now baseball as a whole is a struggling struggling uh conglomerate because they're struggling to find new fans and and we've been going over all these different ways to shorten games and make things more appealing to a new younger generation. Well, this is definitely not the it's a way great to way it. to do it is to cut your season short again and then get everybody injured. Uh, Kendall uh, mentions, and this is one thing that uh, we did not mention last week that I wanted to bring up this week because we didn't mention it last week um, is that uh, uh, Alan Thomas is gone. The strength and conditioning coach. Right. So, you know, the, uh, you know, Rick Hahn said that they are reimagining the strength and conditioning uh, for the team. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that means, um, but uh, I'm hoping that it uh, results in better health anyway. And, uh, you know, I the only thing I've ever seen as far as uh, strength and conditioning coaches go, I mean, Lance Lynn plays baseball. You know what I mean? And uh, he's not skinny. And then, you know, you have guys like Luis Robert, you know, that looks like a, 
an Under Armour uh, mannequin. And, uh, you know, both of them get injured. You know what I'm saying? So is it is it due to the strength and conditioning coach that both guys get hurt? You know, I mean, I've seen guys out there before the game. They're stretching. You know, it's not like they're not uh, trying to uh, remain flexible or well, be strong. You, you mentioned a name that uh, I actually had taught, was going to mention in, in this conversation, uh, being Lance Lynn. And, uh, you know, here's a guy who has thrown the most innings over the course of the last, what is it, four or five years amongst all starting pitching and has not had an issue. He's been an absolute workhorse. And his first season with the White Sox, missing time. Now, is that a coincidence? Possibly. Can it be blamed on a shortened season last year? Possibly. But, uh, you know, then there's the, like you say, there's there's the string of injuries that have come across the board for the White Sox since the uh, the awarding of an emeritus tag on uh, Herm Schneider. So, you know, I, I, they, we've been talking about it for a while now, and you got to wonder, after all those years of not having a whole lot of injuries and being probably the best team of baseball as far as injuries go, maybe that was just a string of luck, but it sure seems like, uh, you know, as soon as old Herm was gone and part of his regime left with them, that uh, things kind of went in the tank. So I kind of have to think that uh, at least some of that can be blamed on what is happening in that department right now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as you're mentioning that, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we, we thought about, and we, we mentioned this during the season, and, uh, you know, when we spoke about the White Sox peaking very early in the season um, in May-ish, you know, when they were, uh, you know, the offense was uh, running at full tilt, you know, minus Robert, uh, you know, or uh, actually, I guess, minus Aloy. Uh, how long was Robert there? When did Robert get injured? I'm trying to remember. Um, did he get he got injured right in the beginning of May, right? And, yep. uh, and then uh, Madrigal was injured shortly thereafter. They still managed to put up, you know, their, their best stats of the season in May. So, um, but if you look at uh, the starting pitches, uh, starting pitchers innings pitched in May, uh, they actually kind of dr- dipped a little bit in May, and they actually piss, uh, pitched uh, less innings in May than they did in you know June, April, blah blah blah. Um, so where you know where in the sc- in the in the grand scheme of things do you put? Uh, innings pitched by the starters as a uh, a mismanagement of the of the resources that were given to the uh, to the manager. Is this a serious question? I, I'm I'm throwing it out there. I mean, they had uh, this year the White Sox starters were the fourth most innings pitched by any starting. Uh, any starting rotation in baseball, and they had uh, 855 
innings by their starters, which is, you know, uh, just, uh, what, about 30, 39 away from Oakland's starting staff. Uh, wow. I'm kind of speechless because, you know, I maybe I should have looked at that before this stream, but uh, I would have never even have guessed that, that they were fourth out of their starting staff. As many four and five inning starts as there have been. Now, granted, again, 2020, you know, COVID 60 game season, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I get that, you know, guys needed uh, maybe a little bit of extra rest. Didn't want to, you know, blow them all up, you know, by midseason. But, uh, you know, it just felt like the White Sox. Ooh, man, there were there were times when you just wanted your starter to go deeper and it didn't happen. And in doing so, you taxed your bullpen more than normal. See, now that's what you think. That's what you think. But if you look at the innings pitched by relievers in Major League Baseball, you know, that was the thing that we talked about. We, we talked about that a lot that uh, we thought that, you know, the bullpen was possibly getting overworked early because it seemed like they were pitching a lot of innings. They were 29th in baseball in innings pitched by relief pitchers. Okay, that's in 2021. But uh, how does that relate to all the, you know, let's go back to 2018, 2019, those innings pitched. How does that in relation look? To those seasons, because I, you know, maybe that's a number I would like to see. Okay, well, but yeah, but see, the thing is, is that in 2020, they played a 60-game season. Well, no, that's what I'm saying, though. Let's go back to 2019 and 2018. How, what, it, what it was the average, what was the average innings pitched by a bullpen in those seasons in comparison to 2021? Because, frankly, unless we're talking about a ton of you know, uh, extra innings games. I would have to imagine that the bullpens, even if the White Sox were, you know, 29th overall in innings, bullpens in general seem like they would have had to been throwing a lot more than they had in seasons past. White Sox almost exactly the same in 2018 as this year. Within like 10 innings. Okay, maybe the White Sox. But, you know, let's be honest, the White Sox starting staff wasn't exactly great for no, no, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm just going through and, uh, you know, like just, just throwing the numbers out. Yeah, here, fine. You know? That's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm just putting out the, the actual numbers. And in uh, 2019, they were, uh, they were 19th with 574. So 20 more innings um, than, uh, than uh, 2018 and 2021. But, you know, I'm saying is if you're saying that they were, you know, we, we all figured that they probably would have been like one of the tops in baseball this year because we figured that, uh, you know, that they were going out there and pitching a ton. But in reality, if you look at them compared to everybody else, they really weren't. You know, 29th in baseball means that they were not overworked. Um, I mean, you know, maybe particular guys might have been technically overworked but i mean you know like we were saying you're also going from a 60 game season to 162 game season so right. it, it's just one of those things where it's just like the perfect storm where 
I, I don't really know what to make of the numbers because last year was so wonky compared to everything else that it throws everything out of out of order. You know, I don't know what you know guys kind of went back to their normal workloads ish, you know, as far as the relievers go, but the, you know, even Lance Lynn's only throwing 150 innings, you know, when he's normally throwing 200. So what do you think, Xavier? I I, I see some, you're, you're giving us some looks. Look at this guy. Look at that. that. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. For those of you who are uh, not watching, um, just had a man run across the sc- run across our screen. It's uh, I think I saw some kicking up some dust behind him. Um, yeah, the old TLR <laughs> charge. <laughs> anyway, Xavier, charge. as you were saying, yeah, I was just trying to hear um, both sides of what was going on, trying to see what like the like a question to, to form like a thought. But one of the things early on in the season, it did feel like we saw a lot of the bullpen and it, it almost seemed like we saw like every guy, like every day for the first couple, couple weeks. And, uh, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised that we're, we're on like opposite ends. One pitching, obviously pitching. If you're going to see starting pitching, have the most innings, it's more than likely you're going to be at the other end with the bullpen, unless you have a bunch of extra inning games. Uh, but one of the things just with the pitching this year, um, was I felt like the White Sox, they, we were bank, as in fans were banking on like the same success as what you saw from this, especially the the bullpen from 2020 to 100 to this full year. But that's a that's a lot to ask for some of those guys who were basically rookies and early college players, like you just made with Garrett Crochet and. Uh, Foster and who am I missing? Cody Hoyer, all those guys who had such successful 2020 season. You had to, you all, everyone expected the same thing out of them this year, but this is a jump from a short season to a whole season, and many of them were in different, were, were playing different roles in the past season than this year. And that, I think that's one thing we were a little naive about to be like, oh yeah, we're gonna. S- they have great stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's going to be uh, like a, a learning curve. It's going to take some time, and you're going to see some bumps. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, especially from uh, the, these young guys that they keep on bringing up. Um, there's bound to be issues, you know, which you know was something that we talked about at the beginning of the season when they were talking about starting uh, Andrew Vaughn at DH. And then when Aloy got injured, oh, suddenly he's your left fielder. You know, it's that there is a learning curve. And, you know, not to mention, you know, even with the guys who are established veterans, people are still going over their game tape every year trying to find the hole in their swing, or in their approach to get them out. And it's a constant battle every year of adjustments. If you do the exact same thing every year, somebody's going to touch you up one way or the other if you're a pitcher, you know, or somebody's going to uh, figure out a way to get you out. And if you can't figure out a way to adjust to that, 
you know, your your numbers are going to tank. And uh, to expect every single person that the White Sox bring up or that, uh, you know, is there from – to expect previous success at the same level every single season, it's difficult to do. And especially right. getting really young guys like Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease to do things like that, that's the kind of thing that's going to take time and development. And the, no, this White Sox this White Sox team compared to some of these others, I feel you, there's not too many people that have like a track history of the same, like a good anywhere from five to ten years of the same type of uh, play it's it's a lot especially especially some of the guys that have played since 2016 2014 uh, a lot of up and down seasons there isn't much uh, of the same across the board so that I think that's a, a big factor in the way this team played as we saw this season especially that second half yeah yeah d- definitely you know When we talk about things of, of like you're saying, putting stringing together some consistent seasons, whether it be, you know, not just seasons without work stoppages for whatever reason, COVID or, you know, lockouts or, or anything like that, but putting together consistent seasons as a, a player over and over again. The one thing about the White Sox being young is that, you know, it, unfortunately they have not had that time to do that. And, uh, you know, the other thing, going back to what Ian was talking about, when, you know, you have guys that are watching video and we have all the different technologies that are available out there now and the advanced analytic, analytics. And here, some of us here at uh, White Sox Daily, most of us here at White Sox Daily are pretty heavy on the advanced analytics. And if you don't think that the players, the coaches, the managers, the GMs, all these all these people out there aren't watching these advanced analytics and – Figuring, trying to figure out ways to beat them, you got to be sadly mistaken. So when the numbers are out there, you're gonna you're gonna have to make adjustments to your game continually. This isn't finding a groove and sticking with that groove. It's finding a groove and making the adjustments constantly, day in, day out, month in, month out, season in, season out. First, you know, the tail of a first half can be the different tail of a second half, and so on. So, you know, I'm just kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, Ian. Uh, I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse to say, but uh, yeah, uh, the game evolves rather quickly now, more quickly than it ever that ever has. And uh, to In be a young player, for crying out loud, right? Exactly. And, and to be a young player that hasn't had the consistency that uh, Xavier speaks about, it, it's going to be a difficult task to uh, stand up to. So you know, I, my only hope. It now is that these guys are they are getting older they are getting a little bit of experience under their belt uh some of these guys that were injured are, are still showing signs of uh not just being healthy but being strong and, and efficient my only hope now is that uh you know they can finally put together those things that strength that health and that experience to uh you know become something because you know as we've been saying that that window might not stay open 
as long as we would like it to with a couple of ta- teams on our tail and the central division shaping up to a point where it could be one of the worst. It, it could go from one of the worst divisions in baseball to one of the better divisions in baseball competitive wise. And, uh, you know, guys not getting any younger on top of it all. So, you know, uh, man, you know, it just goes back to you talking about how it's tough to be a White Sox fan and watching the possibility of a stoppage. And like I said earlier, I don't think it's a possibility. I think it's a, I think it's imminent. And, uh, you know, all of these things combined just makes it a really tough pill to swallow that the chance when you, when you wrap all that stuff up and then the chance of a stoppage, you put all that together. It really puts things in perspective of how volatile the environment in baseball is at this particular moment, especially for White Sox is the team and, and for the fans. Yeah. Can't disagree with any of that. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that whole thing, it's just an unfortunate circumstance, you know, and, um, we'll see, we'll it's see where it goes. Storm. Yeah. I mean, there, and you know, as a fan, obviously you're helpless to the uh, to the circumstances that are happening. You know, it has absolutely nothing to do with us, and uh, you know we're the ones who uh, largely get punished in this whole thing because you know, you know, of course the the players you know don't get checks for you know a couple weeks, whatever you know, but uh, you know a couple months or whatever. But uh, you know when you're making. Six hundred thousand dollars a year as a minimum salary for a major league player. You're not going to get a you know a whole lot of sympathy. You know, obviously, I want uh, players to make their their wages you know all the time as they should. But you know, yeah, the whole thing's just uh, not fun. And um, you know that 40, that forty pounds that I lost uh, over the course of the last year is. Probably gonna go bye bye because I'm gonna I'm gonna eat cake like a fat kid likes cake. Yeah, uh, my wife works for a uh, nationally recognized uh, snack food brand, uh, and uh, she is a uh, at her at her at the Chicagoland area plant level. She's uh she's a little bit higher on the totem pole than most, so I might get some samples every now and again. Hey, that ain't bad. Ish, you know, for your waistline, it's probably bad, but you know, for other things, it's good. Yeah, and this baseball offseason is not going to do my waistline any any good either, hey. especially with uh, the uh, chocolate covered cakes that you speak of. Eat away the shame. Are, uh, easy. Yeah, they're they're easily attainable for me. So, ah, huh. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, along those lines of the. Uh, Starting pitching lost. Uh, we have, you know, we're well aware that we've lost uh, Carlos Rodon. Um, I did hear a uh, interesting, um, an interesting take on the whole uh, um, signing in Detroit today. Is that uh, the the contract that was received is a good thing for Carlos Rodon and his camp. And uh, I can't disagree with that. To me, it seems like uh, with him signing that contract, uh, that is one of those things that uh, can't be bad for Carlos Rodon. 
because no, especially considering same situation ish, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. We've been talking about the the, the injury history of Carlos Rodon, kind of holding back his uh, earning potential, and then we see a guy who missed the entirety of the 2020 season, and uh, really didn't. It wasn't terrible in 2020, but didn't pitch all that great in season in compared to seasons past. And uh, yeah, uh, that might change the market for Carlos Rodon, at least in his mind, and I'm sure his agent is thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, for a for a five year, seventy seven million dollar contract, um, that just is. I I don't see how Carlos Rodon doesn't go and say, "Hey, look, I I was coming back from Tommy John last year. That's why my innings were where they were at, and I've had issues the last couple of years because of the same reason. Um, but now I'm good." Do you think that uh, that now uh, that uh, three or thirty six that I was talking about earlier? Do you think that uh, that goes up? You think that that's uh, a thing, or do you think uh, that's about where he'll sign that as a three year deal? There, any thoughts on it? I'm got, I'm trying to grasp the whole conversation. The thing bought out a couple of times. Oh, Roger that. Uh, okay. Well, I'll just say this. Uh, do I think that that deal stays the same? Mm, I think his agent is going to try to milk that cow for uh, everything it's worth, uh, and use that as, uh, a, a, a talking point maybe for, uh, you know, for getting his player, the, you know, the best deal possible. Um, but like you said, it's the same ish type of situation. And that ish could turn out to be big because, again, uh, you know, Carlos Rodan's injury history, whether it be the same injury, you know, or not, the fact that that same injury lingered for more than just a few seasons uh, could potentially hurt him. And at the same time, his 2020 season looked pretty good. And, you know, he missed a little bit of time there towards the end before the playoffs. But that last start he had in the playoffs, he came out gunning. And the team didn't do themselves any favors by talking him up before that game, saying that, you know, they worked on his mechanics and they found like five miles an hour velocity over, you know, over a two week period where he sat down. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe that number could go up, but uh, I don't expect it to go through the roof. But then again, I've been wrong about these things in the past. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's going to get done before uh, December 1st, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but there's that. Depending on how this uh, this whole stoppage goes, I would not be surprised to see him get a little bit... Uh, you know, get a little bit more, especially seeing what uh, uh, Eduardo got, you know? Yeah, I don't know if the years go up on Carlos just because of that injury history that we've been talking about, but the dollar amount, I think, could very likely go up. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who, before he was shut down for a little bit there, had he had the innings, could have been in, you know, the top five Cy Young finalists as well. So... 
I'm sure they're going to push that narrative as much as possible. Uh, three years at 36 puts them at uh, 12 mil a year. Uh, and, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is getting, you know, close to 15 and a half over five years. Granted, he's, you know, a little bit younger than Carlos. Doesn't have quite as much of an injury history, but still, uh, Carlos outperformed him by a lot this season. So, yeah. Yeah, I do expect that dollar amount to go up. I do. Uh, he was only good for two innings. I assume you mean in the playoffs, and then uh, he missed like a month, right? Yeah, I'd say he probably did miss the uh, the majority. He did make one start, um, in uh, September, and then uh, sat for a little while, and then pitched that playoff game. I think that uh, you know this is something that we've talked about uh, before that uh to me anyway it seems like uh his and his innings and uh the way that they manage them uh maybe rode him a little bit too hard uh right out of the gate and um maybe it would have been best to uh to ramp him up a little bit and give him some more time to uh relax a little bit but um at the same time you know i don't uh can't really blame the you know blame them either because the results were there you know so it's uh it's kind of a double-edged sword there is that you know that he's coming back from tj and he tells you that he feels good and he probably did feel good until he didn't and then his arm was you know he hit that dead period and uh you know, like usually when that guy guys have that dead arm, it usually goes for like a month or two until it comes back after that, you know, after that initial comeback from TJ. And um, unfortunately, with the way it worked out is that he did not have that time to sit and get his arm, you know, back to a point where, you know, the velocity comes back and he's not sore all the time and all that stuff. And it just happened to, you know, align perfectly that it just was, you know, it didn't work out well, at yeah, least that's right at how I would look at it going into the playoffs. Yeah. Kind of a tough pill to swallow, but again, it's one of those things that, you know, as a fan, you, you have no control over, but you hate to see it. Absolutely. hate to see it. You do hate to see it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, they're, they're roughly right about the same age. Uh, Kendall, they're uh, they're both uh, in the two hundred. Uh, I actually, uh, Carlos is uh, about a hundred days older. Or so, oh, was that all? Roughly, yeah. So they're they're roughly the same age. Um, yeah, it's now we have to figure out what they're going to do to eat up those innings and get that five war of pitching back that essentially helped them win the division. Well, but, 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 but we have Kopech and Crochet. We to, do. To, to pitch all those innings that they yeah. didn't get stretched out for. Aside from the no hitter, Rodon did not pitch more than six innings in any of his first 10 starts. True, but he was dominant, you know? Regardless of, uh, regardless of you know how you want to say he didn't pitch you know inning inning count you know aside, 
You know, what were we used to getting from Carlos Rodon in previous years? A hundred pitches in five innings max, <laughs> you know, like right. 65, 70% of the time. And he was, and he, well, okay. He was, so he, we're, you're trying to say that he wasn't ridden that hard, but you know, we also have to remember he was coming back from TJ. Yeah, exactly. Going a hundred and, and he also pitched over, you know, I'll, I'll have to go in and take a look here, but you know, when you're coming back from TJ going out and throwing 125 pitches, regardless of whether it's in the fifth inning or in the or seventh the inning, it, or, or, or yeah, exactly. It's still, you know, you're still throwing 125 pitches and, um, you know, when you're coming back from TJ and the only thing that you've done is pitch twice for the, uh, you know, out of the bullpen last year in garbage spots, you know, you're, you know, normally in a normal universe, not COVID, last year he would not have been on the White Sox. He would have been at AAA or A. Probably double A first or, you know, high A first to get some innings in and start, you know, getting back into the th- swing of things, you know. And he would have thrown, you know, probably like, uh, I don't know, like 50, 60 innings last year, you know, in 2020 in the minors. And he got like 3.2 or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. Instead of coming up to, you know, directly to MLB and then expecting him to get outs. And in high leverage you know, relief innings on top of that, which was the most mind-blowingly stupid thing I've ever seen uh, out of a out of a major major league manager, other than uh, you know leaving a reliever in there to give up eight runs. Yeah, yeah. and so. then and then pulling in his relief after yep. three pitches in the bullpen. Oh, there he goes hey, again. There he is again. He's coming to defend himself. The TLR shuffle. <laughs> so. Who's following us? Why is there a follower updating? Oh, it did. That's uh the, the one down here on the bottom? Oh, yeah. I didn't put it in as that yet. I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, I either see. that or I'm just using it just for fun. That's uh, Ceiling Fan Enthusiast. Uh, that's our latest follower, and he is a gotcha. uh, he is a Twitch streamer. His name is... Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you what his name is. His name is Ceiling Fan Enthusiast. He's a swell guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It. I'm not putting... Carlos Rodon's arm troubles yet. I'm not putting it on uh, the fact that uh, or, or on a on a physiological thing yet. If I see him come out next year and there are issues right off right out of the gate, or you know like 50 innings into the into this into the season, then I'll be like, oh okay, the White Sox knew something, but. Carlos Rodon has repeatedly said that he's okay and that he was sore and that he needed to work some stuff out. So until until it is proven otherwise that there's actually a physical problem, then I'll buy the thing that, you know, I've heard bandied about, you know, relentlessly on Twitter for the last week since they didn't make the qualifying offer that the White Sox had information that nobody else has, and that's why they didn't offer the qualifying offer, and that they don't feel that uh, you know he's going to be, you know, what everybody seems to think he's going to be. I don't know. That's I've I've heard that a lot this week. So 
the whole thing just kind of you don't know what they know but you also don't know what they know you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean yeah. you don't know if he's got a physical ailment but you also don't know what they're thinking you know well, here's one that I've also heard about Carlos Rodon uh, recently, and maybe not a ton of it, but it's it's been thrown around out there a little bit, is that uh, the White Sox intend on extending Carlos Rodon an offer that is less than that $18.4 million a year, but for more years. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. And do you think, you know, let's just use that, Eduardo Rodriguez signing that happened uh, this afternoon as a barometer for that. What do you think the chances are of maybe signing a Carlos Rodon for four or five years and instead of, and, and now I'm not feeling real great about giving him a four or five year contract, but maybe what about a three year contract with incentives for that fourth and fifth year? Uh, and him, to, you know, accepting a, a longer term deal for more money overall, but less per annum so we're going to do the 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 talk that i had with carlos as rick Hahn last week yeah you let's know, we, do it we love you carlos and we we want you to have a have you around um and but we want you to have some stability i'm just i'm just asking what what do you think the chances of that are uh, you know I, I don't know at this point um I mean, unless they actually do know that there's something physically wrong in his, uh, sorry, this this arm, uh, in his in his shoulder uh, or elbow or whatever, unless they unless they know something that somebody else doesn't know. Um, I mean, I I could see it happening. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. You know, it's a it's a tough thing because it, it all boils down to uh, what they're looking at as far as the budget goes. You know, because you know, obviously they don't want to put out the eighteen point four, right? Because we already know that you know, picking up the Kimbrel option and not with Cesar Hernandez, uh, that they're at uh, I think they're at one sixty five. And uh, I think the competitive uh, balance tax is at two eleven, and um, so you're looking at roughly about fifty million dollars, assuming you know. Now, if you get rid of Kimbrel, that opens up another sixteen million. Um, assuming that you're not paying some of it to get rid of him to get something decent Which back, you'll have to. You're going to have to. So I mean, it's, uh, just assume that if they do trade him, that they're at least going to eat half of it. So you know. Take eight, right? So you take eight off. So now you're at uh, 157. 157 million. You got no Kimbrel. Um, so you're going to have to do some. I mean, we, we knew this going in, and uh, but you're going to have to do something about the bullpen because you've lost a couple of guys. Now you're probably going to try and resign Tapera. Um, my guess, you know. Seeing what he what he used to make and likely you know like what what you're thinking that he's gonna end up getting as far as a uh, you know some sort of a some sort of a, a raise of some sort you know um, you know I I think he's probably somewhere around the three point five ish you know million dollars a year 
And uh, but you still have a, you still have a second baseman that you need. You still need a right fielder. Um, and then there's going to be uh, you're going to need a starter. I mean, I I don't. We've gone over this before, and I don't think that uh, that Kopech and Crochet are ready to make that leap to being a, a a starter. I mean, they just they. You know, we we complained. Uh, we along with a lot of other people complained that uh, you know what is the plan here with these guys. You know that they they don't have the innings to to take on a starter's workload, and you need to stretch them out so next year. Well, yeah, they're you able talk to about do this. these things. You talk about these things, and, and you know we've mentioned it before, but I'm just going to remind everybody again that without Carlos Rodon, Dallas Keuchel is your only lefty in the rotation. And uh, as we saw him in the 2021 season, it wasn't exactly pretty. So your only lefty is a guy who's throwing garbage up there. You know, or he's throwing he's throwing strike one and strike two and then throwing the meatball. You know, or he's losing his own for three pitches and going from 0-2 to 3-2 and two and then throwing the meatball. and Or, you know, trying to over-Picasso everything and trying to strike guys out all on his own and, and, and walking you know, the base is loaded and walking runs in, you know, you got to think how many lefty starting pitchers are going to be on the market that are going to be affordable for this White Sox team. Well, I thought one of them was going to be Eduardo and he signed today for five years in 77. And I don't think the White Sox would have given him that. No, I think you're, you're better off taking your chances on a, a similar deal for Carlos Rodon. But, you know, obviously it remains to be seen how they feel about, you know, the other holes that they need to fill. I think, uh, you know, in uh, White Sox Premium on Facebook, there was a poll just in the last day or two uh, about what uh, many fans thought uh, would be the White Sox number one need and target this offseason or what it should be. Uh, And a good portion of that poll answered starting pitching. Now, you brought up, you know, there's still some holes in the bullpen, right field, second base. You know, but 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 Yolbert Sanchez is killing it in Arizona right now. He is. He is. And and you got that Romy Gonzalez guy who, you know, had a meteoric rise through the uh through through the lower levels up into uh the major league club this past season. So you know maybe Maybe the White Sox feel like they can fill a hole or two from within inside the organization, and they spend that money on a starting pitching. I don't, I don't really know. But yeah, uh, and you don't you know, know what the budget's going to be either. You know, that's the other. This is the that's reason. The other thing. Well, this is the reason I asked the question because I feel like you know if you're going to look for a starting lefty, that Carlos Rodon could potentially be a guy who if the deal is structured the right way you might be able to lure him back and his uh white Sox premium k says maybe they were waiting to see what they could do with kimbrell before extending that offer to Rodon. i kind of like the way that sounds but uh you know that's that might just be my bias showing <laughs> wishful thinking I, I don't really know so I, that's this is that was just the whole point of me bringing that that whole conversation up and kind of picking everybody's brains and seeing you know what you guys thought of that and you know the lefty uh, starter market is not huge 
right now, at least not for guys that are going to be, you know, under $18 million a year if you weren't going to sign Carlos Rodon for that. Yeah. So, so uh, Kendall brings up that, uh, that uh, Rodon's average pitches thrown was 99.7 through his first 10 games. And that's exactly my point is you're putting that's him, a at, lot for you're putting him at a normal starters workload right out of the gate for the first 10 games. And then you're surprised that he starts, you know, developing soreness and starts getting dead arm about two thirds of the way through the season. That should have like, they should have started him at 75 pitches and then worked him up to 100 rather than starting him at 100 to 110 and then watching him slowly degrade as as the season goes on you know if they were trying to get him to keep going you know just just my personal thoughts on the whole thing is that yeah i'm i'm not saying you know that they're that they you know that he was pitching you know nine you know nine innings a game for the first you know five six games and that's what wore him out but you know Knowing that he's coming from rehab from Tommy John, my personal opinion is he shouldn't have been starting. And knowing that you're coming from a 60-game season on top of that, you know, for everybody else, everybody should have been slowly ramped up. You know, it shouldn't have been one of those things where it was assumed that everybody could just go back to, you know, status quo. Because as you saw with Almost every single pitcher out there, that every single one of them had a decline in innings. So I mean, yeah, Carlos should, should have been on like an eighty pitch per game limit. I you know max I would think, even if you're only getting say four innings out of them at that point. You know, and looking back at the numbers, like we talked about earlier in the stream and the podcast, that. Uh, you know, it sounds like uh, a lot of pitchers didn't go beyond four innings across the board, across the league. And here we are. We got Carlos Rodon throwing, you know, 100 pitches in four or five innings in his first 10 starts. And, you know, Kendall points out that two of those first nine starts uh, might have brought that average up some. One of them going 114 pitches and the the other one going like 100 and, I don't know, 112 or something, 100 and, Whatever it was, but I mean, regardless, yeah. I mean, I just either way, you're you're pushing the limits on a guy who. Sorry, I didn't mean to step all over. No, it's fine. I mean, I think you know. I'm just saying. I think that it should have been a, should have been a a casual, you know, like a slope, you know, of starting at seventy, you know, seventy five pitches and working his way up. I mean, when you see these guys come back from Tommy John in a normal normal year, when they come back. The first, you know, I mean, they did it with Lance Lynn when he came back from his uh, from his back injury, you know, or his, uh, sorry, his knee injury, you know, or his, I guess his back or whatever. But they, uh, you know, they started off slow and then they ramped him up a little bit. You know, it should have been that way right out the gate because you knew that he was coming back from Tommy John surgery. Just just my two cents on that whole thing. Uh, right. Kendall's asking uh, what we think the biggest need is for the White Sox. Right. Between starting pitching, uh, relief second pitching, base, right second field, base, right or field. Relief pitch. Yep. Yeah. Of those four, what is your, uh, what is, what do you think the number one need is for the White Sox? We don't necessarily looking for the actual targets, but what's the number one need and you know, why kind of get into why you think it is. Xavier. 
You got anything? What, what's what's the White Sox number one need this offseason? I'm gonna pick a, a right fielder. Um, I think eventually there's some they can always do something for second base pitching in the bullpen. They'll work around. I also think I think I I think something's gonna happen where they just end up getting Rodon and somehow bring back Hernandez. That's just me just throwing out some random ideas that's going to happen. Ouch. But uh, right field, oh. uh, we've been needing a right field for quite some time. And uh, last week we talked about uh, how, I forgot what I was going to say, but just like how that one had like a long list of names who who they've gone through and it could have been answered if they would have gone harder at a guy like Harper and how much a guy like him changes up a team and improves a team. And that's a position that we haven't had and we need more consistency out of it. Okay. Both defensively and offensively. All right. So Xavier says right field. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, that's where I'm going too. Um, it's been years and years and years since the White Sox have had a complete outfield where you feel comfortable with every single person in the outfield as a baseball player. It's been years. Um, and, and right field in general, I mean, like, you know, we've gone over the list of all the guys who have played right field over the last couple of years, and... It is, I mean, it's sad that you can't find a competent right fielder for a decade. I mean, we're realistically looking at a decade of having trash in right field. And, you know, no offense, you know, trash performance, not trash human beings. We've, you know, we've had some good, good human beings out there. But, I mean... Realistically, if you're looking at it's at stat wise, absolute basura, you know, yeah. garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, nice, uh, tons of nice guys, you know, but it's just the stats have not been there. You know, there should be no reason that you can't figure out a way to get at least a 110 WRC plus in right field. And they've struggled to hit like seventy. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I can't. Uh, but for me, I think I'm gonna go. You know, we've got a we've got a two right fields from you guys. Yes, uh, and, and Kendall says that uh, Avi was competent for certain stretches. And yeah, competent. Yeah. You know, he he was okay. But the thing was, is that. There were he a lot of stretches consistent. where he was not. Yeah, he you was know? really inconsistent. Yeah, very inconsistent. Anyway, he, yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't leave you feeling like uh, like the the position was uh, locked down. You know, like you. There were many times that a lot of us were calling for his head. Oh, it's the giggities. I doing giggities. Yeah, Adam hey. Eaton, Adam Eaton did have he did have a good time in right field, oh, and man. I will a hundred percent agree Whatever with that. Got. But the issue is, is that the rest of the outfield was garbage, you know, is that they've never had three outfielders at the same time that I look at and I go, 
all three of them are Major League Baseball players. It's always been one guy, at least one guy out of the three, has absolutely no business being there. None. This is true. That's and I, that I'm just I'm just saying right field just because that's the need right now because you've got Aloy in left and you've got Robert in center. In right field, you know they we've seen yeah. so many anyway anyway. We can make the joke that you know Robert can play the entire outfield by himself, but you know obviously it's a joke and it's not true. Oh, he could. And, uh, he could, but the thing is, is that you know if there's even if there's somebody standing out there, you know even just to make a catch, he'll probably end up running into somebody at some point. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that once or twice already. Have a couple we? times. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go a different direction only. Because normally I would absolutely 100% agree with you as far as the feeling about right field, especially more in the last, like, four years than maybe even in the last decade. The last four. I mean, it has just been absolutely atrocious with, uh, you know, the Mazaras and, you know, uh, a a certain San Diego player's uh, brother-in-law and, you know, all these different misses that we've seen. Uh but, uh, you know, because of what I've seen the last two years in the playoffs, I might have to go the starting pitching route just because. Now, again, I know you can you can argue that the offense only showed up for one of the games against Houston this year in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, starting pitching didn't do the, the team a whole lot of favors either. And uh, I would just like to see, you know, if we can get a, three solid pitchers and a fourth that's really consistently just better than okay, maybe the playoffs turn out to be a, a different story. So I would like to see a starting pitcher. I would like to see, you know, again, I a healthy lefty doesn't necessarily have to be Carlos or Don, but I'd like to see another lefty in the rotation because, you know, the only one that's left is Keiko. And uh, I don't really feel great about that, you know, throwing that horse in the race. So, uh, but yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on the right field talk. I, uh, I mean, realistically, each one of these things really badly needs to be looked at. They're all glaring holes. Yeah. The bullpen might, in my opinion, is probably the least worry of the bunch. Uh, but you would like to see another arm or two. You said, like, you know, if they do indeed resign to Para, there's still, you know, a couple of holes left in there that need to be taken care of. I mean, they're, they, uh, I will say they one thing that they are really them. good at is bullpen. They can pull guys up from the minors that have got, <laughs> that have got some arms. That's one thing that they have a lot of is relief arms. They have a lot of those guys. And there right. are and there are know, some guys they, that are right there ready to ready to push up. And they, and they come at a lower price point than any of those other positions as well too. So I I feel like it's an easier achievement to fill those holes. Bullpen. Uh so realistically any of those other three spots, you know, right field starting pitcher and uh second base, all pretty big needs for this team right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Kendall says, as as frustrated as he is about right field and second, he's shocked after the playoffs that answer isn't starting pitcher by a landslide. My personal opinion on that is, you know, like Xavier said, you'll find innings. You'll find somebody that can come up and start some games. Um, come, come the playoffs, I mean, so here's the thing is that we go out and get somebody that can that can pitch innings. In no way, shape, or form do I think that they're going out and signing Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman or anything that's actually worth anything of any actual real value. That's no, the issue. Here. I don't think they, they can't. They could. They could. They can, well, they can, but that eats up pretty much, what, 80, 90% of what based on t- the current that's the whole point CBA. that was the whole point of the way that they built this team though is that they have all this young controllable talent at league minimum granted they paid a bunch of them when they didn't have to so that way they would stay an extra year or two but they have all this they built this team so they have all this young talent and then they could fill it in with you know major league talent the issue is is that they haven't done that except for you know i mean they picked up grandal and then they picked up lance lynn via trade which that has ended up being a good thing now that they got him on the you know the contract extension but the issue still is that you're still looking for starting pitching when you thought that you had that all sealed up and that at this point you thought you would be good in the rebuild at this time already with the starting pitching that you had you know in the yeah and Keuchel as well that you thought that you had this stuff sorted by now and that these guys were going to be the guys that were going to take you to where you needed to be and the issue is is that the White Sox had the worst ERA from starting pitching in the playoffs this year out of all the teams in the playoffs. That's not good. You know? I mean, yes, they need starting pitching. However, the starting pitching that they need is very difficult to get, and it costs a lot, and it's going to be more than they want to spend, either in cash or in prospect capital. There's no way they don't have the prospect capital probably to get it done. And if it if they do, it's the guys that you don't want to get rid of that you're going to end up cleaning out your system. So your system is going to be the worst system in Major League Baseball again. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a bad position to be in. You know, I mean, you yeah. have to th- this next season. You know, you've got you've got Keuchel, who's on the last year of his deal. And you can get rid of, uh, you know, if you can trade Kimbrel and not have to eat any of that salary, or even if you do eat half of it or whatever, you know, that gives you, uh, you know, the next season, that gives you an additional, you know, if you eat half of Ki- half of Kimbrel's salary, that leaves you with $8 million, and then, uh, you know, Keuchel also, that's going to give you another 18 worth of payroll that's going to open up. So you're going to have $26 million of additional payroll space. But the thing is, is that at that point, now you've got to extend Giolito. You know, you, these guys are going to start coming back 
now they're, you know, because it's been a while that they've been here, now it's time to give them contracts. So that was the reason that they said that they were leaving all this money is so that they could extend their guys that they wanted to extend and fill in the roster with, you know, major league talent. And unfortunately, it's just not, it's not, you know, it's not doing this. It's not perfectly aligned. You know, it's not like a, it's not like cogs in a machine. That's just like the the splines are not, you know, intertwining perfectly, unfortunately, you know, so they have to spend money. And if they are unwilling to spend that money, SOL. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, I would love to see them hit that threshold. History tells me that they probably won't even get close. And the reasoning we'll get is, well, we might have to make a midseason move. Yeah. Because let's be honest, you can't spend all that money before the season starts. Because that's a reality. Mid-season moves are going to happen. Now, if again, you're talking about money and prospect capital, human capital. Uh, both of these things are going to cost the socks. It's If you want to be competitive in this day and age, it's going to have to happen. So it remains to be seen if it does. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't think Robbie A. Ray is a reality. But then again, we talk about now. Kendall says this is sadly not the last year of Keuchel's deal, and I thought it was only well. if only if he reaches an innings threshold, which I don't. Yeah, think he's is got a, be he's got issue. a vesting option. Yeah. So you know, and it's what 160 innings, I believe, is the number. Something so. like that. Yeah, he had to hit like 330 innings or something like that, and I don't think it's uh, or it's 360 innings or something like that. I, I don't think it's close though. Um. Yeah, Giggities brings up uh, a good point as well. It's going to be interesting what they do, especially with first base DH guys like Eloy, Vaughn, Sheets, etc. Wonder if they sell high on Sheets. Yeah, and uh, he also mentions that. Do you really want to get rid of him as he's the one guy who showed up, you know, with power in the playoffs, and he's a left-handed bat. But I also think that he probably is a very cheap option for DH, which, uh, you know, if you look at the history of the last couple of years. Uh, you know, he's going to hit better than the wet paper bags that we've had in that slot. You know, it's hard to hit much worse, but, uh, you know, he, he brings some pop from the left-hand side of the plate, and we all know that, you know, right field plays like a super short porch in that stadium. So I personally would like to see them keep him, you know, especially if we're talking about, you know, keeping some money on the books for other moves. I, I think Sheets is your uh, everyday DH next year, and if he's not, I, I feel like uh, something's wrong. Just my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, Kendall said it's uh, it's 160 for the uh, the innings limit, and uh, I I reply I said I don't think there's any way they're going to let him hit it unless he comes out firing and he's pitching really well, which he does have a uh, if you see his bad seasons on his uh, his stat lines his yearly stat lines usually after he has a bad year his next year's really stinking good, but you know. As he gets older, uh, the the odds of that, uh, you know, him bouncing back the next season, pretty pretty slim, you know. Yeah, I used to go out. I used to put on twenty pounds every winter and go out and jog for like a week and lose that twenty pounds in a week. You know what I mean? But, uh, he says I'm that not, he's. Uh, I'm not thirty anymore. 
Yeah. Well, he says he says that that's not who he is. Who who uh, you know his stats from this past year is Whoa, not who he is PEDs. as a pitcher. That's that's we don't we don't want to talk about PEDs. <laughs> don't want to do that. Uh, oh yeah, twenty million dollar carrot is going to be quite the PED motivator. Well, yeah. Hey you, man, you need to pass out. You need to pass out the quilted toilet paper when you're going to bring up that that conversation, buddy. You can't use that cheap stuff around here when you're doing that to me. Yeah, the Giggities brings up the cracking down on spider tech and other stuff with pitchers. He thinks Keiko is screwed. Now, see, he, normally with with a lot of the guys, I would agree with you, but the issue is is that this is exactly how he pitched in his last year with the. Uh, with the Astros, and it's exactly how he pitched towards the end of the year with the Braves, and it's it's a hundred percent based on his command and where he's putting the ball. Is if you look at his uh, if you look at his baseball savant numbers, all of his spin rates are fairly consistent. His vertical and horizontal movement all consistent. Like you look at his uh, his baseball savant of all of his pitches, like it's just more or less just five straight lines across you know across the page it's all the same you know everything's basically been the same his entire career minus a couple of miles an hour off of his uh i think off of his sinker or something but i mean he looks like he's very consistent and if if it had to do with the spider tack it shouldn't have affected him two years before you know two years before he was here um you know I don't know. I I'm not giving I'm not giving him that out. Is that he's got to pitch better? Bingo. And that's that's it as far as I'm concerned. He just has to pitch better. His command has to be better. Whatever. Yeah, his issue was throwing strikes. Exactly. His, and the, the, no, actually, the issue is if you look at his bad games, the issue that he has is he threw too many strikes. Yeah, is he that gets ahead. When he's when he is throwing strikes, that's when he gets hit hard. The thing that he's normally when he's pl- pitching well, the thing that he's able to do is just like Greg Maddox did, was that he was able to get people to swing at pitchers' pitches, and those pitches were most of the time not in the strike zone. That's the un- that's the unfortunate thing. Oh yeah, Giggies. Yeah, well, well, we, we, we agree with that as well. Defensive positioning was a freaking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, which actually, did you, uh, I, I don't know, did you guys happen to catch what uh, Han said in his uh, press oh, conference about the yeah. uh, defensive positioning? About why the, yeah, about why the White Sox uh, don't shift as much as other teams. Yeah. Yeah. What a bunch of smoke that was. Yeah, well, he says I'm that not talking about smoke in a good way either. There's smoke and mirrors going on He says on they may be one of the last teams in amount of shifts but they're ninth in uh, outs gained by the times that they are in the shift, which, I mean, that's all that's all well and good, uh, except for, um, you know, s- seeing it to the same pitchers over and over and over again, you know, seeing uh, Aaron Bummer get weak ground balls up the middle oh, over dang. and over and over again and still – Playing guys in their normal position. You could have shifted Timmy a step and a half into the hole, and you could have erased a lot of hits. 
just a step and a half because like you said it wasn't even hard hit up the middle these were slow rollers bouncers that were just getting by just getting by yeah <laughs> unbelievable you know what I, I told I told Kendall that I was gonna link him but I want after after talking about this I I want I want to read this yeah, quote let's here. Throw it up Oh, let's see here. Uh, fortunately, I don't have a good, uh, I don't have a good um, Rick Hahn voice, unfortunately. Hahn's not carrying water for TLR, by the way. Uh, Kendall asked, why would Hahn carry water for TLR? I like that. He's not carrying water for TLR. He's, uh, he's uh, how shall we say, uh, protecting his own interests in the club. He's towing the company line is what he's doing. The same way he gnashed his teeth and he he, he told us through a, a gritty grin that uh, TLR was the choice. Alright. So uh, somebody asked him why they don't uh, behind their defensive shifts and why they don't use them more often. Han was ready with an answer, knowing that the White Sox approach towards shifting, they do it among the least in MLB, was a talking point in the wake of the Astros bleeding them to death. When you shift, the goal is to convert balls in play into outs. When you look at our shift number, I'm not sure where you said we ranked. I've actually seen something from Baseball Info Solutions that had us actually... 30th in total number of shifts last year, in gross number of shifts. That said, we were ninth in terms of net balls, hits saved as a result of shifting. That number is the number of balls that you get to because of a shift and turn it into outs minus the number of hits that you give up because you were out of position, so to speak. Those ground balls to where the shortstop should have been. So even though we did not have a high gross number of shifts, we were actually in the top third in the league in terms of effectiveness when we did, the ninth highest total of net outs. So there's a sweet spot to hit. We may not necessarily be there because obviously being ninth isn't being first. So perhaps with some more shifting, we could increase that number. But obviously, if you do too many shifts, then you're going to start. Uh, where did I start giving up too Ricky many hits Renteria. to the areas you would have been covering had you not shifted? The previous year, 2020, we were 20th in the league in net number of shifts, and also I believe seventh, or we were in the top 10 in terms of that net out number. So the question here is, is that. Okay, if this is the case, they are ranking in the top third of teams in getting those outs. Is that because the range of a Tim Anderson? And previous before that, you know, you had uh, um, had some, you know, you had some range there. Like, Yoan does not give up a lot of hits over there at third base. He's got pretty good range. You've got Timmy you on the left side. Thank you for bringing him up, by the way. Who's that? Because if you didn't, Yoan. Yeah, I mean, you got, you've you got good range points. defenders there, and Jose Abreu has markedly improved upon his defense in the last two years. Um, no doubt. So is the where they're ranking, is that in spite of their horrible use of the shift, or, or is it because you have overachieving – infielders with decent range and that's why you're still in the top third even though you are essentially 
giving up base hits on, you know, with some of these pitchers, you know. I don't yeah. know. Just a thought. Um, I, I figured that uh, – I figured Kendall would like that. TLR is killing us. Yeah, Bray, mm. yeah, he's lazy. I've heard that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> it is because yeah, oh, they so only shift when it's basically a sure thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Yoan oh, is lazy as well. True. Yoan's lazy. He doesn't, he doesn't try for every ball hitting his direction. He doesn't run – Yes, I've heard that uh, that he's uh, he's he's too uh, he doesn't want it bad enough. It's that old John Garland syndrome where if you know you don't see him like screaming and yelling and getting all fired up and crazy, that they just don't care. Yeah, no, nah, he sucks. Yes, he has also so much, he has so much potential. You know, he's like the, the you know as far as F words is concerned, he's the third third in best baseball, in baseball. But yeah, but you know he. Uh, he sucks because he's supposed to be the best. He's supposed to be number one. He's wasting his potential because he's lazy and he doesn't care enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Green man. Green man. Uh, so speaking of all the things that we've talked about tonight, about you know pertaining to the starting pitching on the team. Yeah, we still have not graded any, have we? Yeah, we haven't done really any grading whatsoever. Yoan is a party guy. Heard he likes to get out of get out sort of speak oh yeah likes to get out yes <laughs> so to speak yeah the b- bad uh bad reading by me um yeah. in the in the indiana bars during covid you know, yeah i've heard i've heard that as well the, going home with the underage girls and whatnot yeah tweet I, that went out last year. <laughs> you know i really uh i i try not to bring that stuff up on here you know because it's it's it is <laughs> it is hearsay Redonkulous. It, it is hearsay, and uh, you know I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. You know, perpetrate false narratives. Um, no, I just like to laugh a little bit. That's all. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, you can do it. I just don't do it. But uh, yeah. So I mean, um, what would you? Uh, where? Where? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. So uh, I'd say we should probably do it on a on a pitcher by pitcher basis. Um, I think that that's the way to do it is is on a pitcher by pitcher basis because I think doing the entire uh, the entire starting staff is a little too uh, it's too much of a blanket uh, a blanket grade here. Um, so let's start with uh, the well, I guess let's go with the uh, the perceived number five at this point, uh, Dallas Keuchel. Um. We have, we've ridden him pretty hard, um, but he did win a gold glove, so there is that. Um, he did something right. Yeah, he did we'll something right. With you guys. Um, so he says, uh, Kopak's not a starter. <laughs> we're we're gonna do the bullpen. Uh, we're gonna do the bullpen on another show. Yeah, we got we got bullpen. We got bullpen next game, which uh, next uh, next stream because uh, that's that's entirely too many people to too many times. Oh, he says he will be. Well, he well, should we'll be. Grade him when, we'll grade him on that when he is. Yeah, he should be, <laughs> and he should have been stretched out so he could be a full time major league starter. But uh, um. Yeah, so uh, we got some innings out of Keiko this year, 
And as we uh, as as we said, um, he did have uh, up until June, his numbers were halfway decent. Uh, it was like uh, halfway through June, and oddly enough, it started two starts before the spider attack was taken away. So you can't blame it on that. Um, but if you do look at uh, if you look at the baseball savant numbers and look at the uh, the amount of strikes he had, um, the amount of strikes went up, and so did his ERA started to go up as well when he started to do that. He did kind of. You know, taper that off towards the end of the season, but uh, at that point, uh, he was just kind of throwing meatballs over the half of the you know half of the plate to you know to everybody and getting smacked around anyway. Um, the thing so, that I saw out of him a lot was you know, like you said, he was throwing strikes, but he would throw he would get ahead of so many batters. Oh, oh and two, one and two, and then just kind of lose it for two or three pitches, trying to get that pitcher's pitch, like you said. And then after that, he, you know, lost confidence and getting the swing on that pitcher's pitch and throw that nice 88-mile-an-hour two-seamer. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, right over the ha- right over the heart of the plate, you know, just oh, get hammered. Middle. Mid-thigh, middle-middle. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh yeah, if you look at it, if you look at his uh at his stats, you know, I guess it was uh I guess it was fairly consistent all year of just being uh fairly terrible. But uh as far as his FIP goes, um it still did dip like about a half run uh in the last half of the season. But his ERA his ERA through uh through mid June, right before Spider Attack was taken away. His ERA started to started to go up. He had hit his low point uh, as far as ERA on June fifteenth, and then it started to started to creep up. Um, so you did end up getting one hundred and sixty two innings out of Keiklin. You got a Gold Glove defense out of him. So um, I did uh, get a good response from somebody that um, you know he has to be able to uh, cover up because so many balls were hit right back at him. So there is that in response to him getting a gold glove. Um, but uh, where, where are you guys sitting as far as Keiko goes? Um, I'm all, give all things considered. All things considered. All things considered. Yeah. Um, like a D or D plus, I think. Like I'm not going to give him an F because he had he, he had a, he started off obviously a few few okay starts early on and then he had like a three game stretch in september that was like five innings a bunch of hits but only like two runs uh winnable games so that wasn't terrible i mean imagine if he hadn't gotten out of those high leverage situations like the couple of high leverage situations in those uh in those starts what his era would have looked like after that I mean, because he's sitting yeah. at a five point two eight. Had he not gotten out of those high leverage situations uh, and gotten bailed out with some uh, some hard line drives hit right at fielders, he'd be sitting at like a six and a half probably, which is uh, no good. Um, and like I said, with him being a five point two eight ERA and his FIP was a five point two three, so it's not like there was any uh, 
not like there was anything going on in the field that was uh, swaying his ERA one way or the other. Uh, I can't give him anything over a D. Um, he did eat innings, so I will give him. Uh, I'll give him an A for effort in that in that uh, aspect of things, but uh, still uh, adds up to a D for me. Um, even with the Gold Glove and eating the innings, it's just you can't uh, five point two eight making uh, you know eighteen million dollars or whatever, sixteen million dollars, whatever he's making last year. Just that's not that's no bueno. Yeah, 18. yeah. Uh, I really don't have much to add to that. Uh, again, you know, the Gold Glove kind of brings that grade up just slightly uh, wouldn't give the guy an F because of the gold glove and the innings eaten and the few, the handful of starts that he, uh, he kept the white size competitive in. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Probably about a D plus for me. Yeah. As I just mentioned to, uh, to Kendall and chat uh, said uh, Dallas got 162 innings with as bad as he was. And my point is, is yeah, he got 162 innings with as bad as he was because he was the only person who was healthy the entire year. Aside from Cease, Cease was well. Healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, other than Cease, right? He like he was that he's gonna get to 162 innings because they needed somebody to pitch. And you know when you've got Giolito, Lynn, and Rodon all out at the exact same time. That's rough, you know. You're not going yeah. to you're not going to bump Keuchel, even though he's pitching bad for uh, you know whoever you're going to bring up from AAA. I mean, they already had to bring up Mike Wright and Alex McRae, you know, to fill in for the other guys. Boy, you know, and Jimmy Lambert. They, we're going to assume that everyone is healthy next year. I'm going to say no. We're, I'm not making that assumption. I, I am definitely not making that assumption. I don't think Xavier would make that assumption, but I th- I think what the three of us are trying to say when they he's not going to get 162 innings like he did this past season is that, you know, again, you've got guys like Crochet and Kopech that didn't get stretched out last season that are going to need to get more innings this season that might make some more spot starts than they did this past season. And now we're not coming off a 60-game season the previous year. You're coming off a, a, a full season. And I expect your starting pitching to uh, kind of get more innings. You know, you're better starting pitching to get more innings. So guys like Deese, uh, guys like Giolito, guys like Lance Lynn, who as long as they stay healthy are going to go more than four innings a little bit more. And that's going to keep your bullpen a little bit more rested. And anytime that Keuchel has those games where he's only giving up two or three runs, Probably not going to get the opportunity to give up those fifteen hits. He's going to his his innings are going to be managed a little bit better next year, I think. Yeah, I I agree. You know, and, and to to the point that you know that you know you think Keuchel's going to get to one hundred and sixty next year because uh, he was the only one who got you know one hundred and sixty plus innings this year. Other than I think what Giolito got it, I think. Um, but uh, you know. I don't think I, I think that they're going to do what they can to curtail his innings unless he comes out and is dominant. And if he comes out and his cheeks like I'm like I'm kind of <laughs> thinking he's gonna be, I'd say if he is uh, if he is pitching badly in July and they have somebody that they feel comfortable uh, going to at that point, 
I will not be surprised if he gets released in August because they've shown that they'll cut bait on somebody if they're not getting the job done. Uh, I mean, granted, that's a lot of money to let go, but you're not going to hold on to him and keep him there and let him hit his 160 innings if you don't want to have him there the next year. It doesn't make any sense. So they'd be better off releasing him at 150 innings or whatever, you know, or at uh, you know 110 innings or something. And they say, oh, you hope he doesn't even get that close by uh, that point. If you know he I mean? if he's bad, absolutely not. Yeah. So I just just my uh, my two cents there. Yeah, Rodon's gone. Yeah. Uh, so and you also bring up Lopez. Lopez, we only had him for you know part of the second half of the season. Yep. In in the bullpen, uh, whose eyes work he, now? Yeah, his eyes work, and he looked. He he was solid for the most part. You know, he had a couple of, of outings that didn't quite go his way, but for the most part, really solid. And uh, you know, they're going to be looking to get him some innings as well, too. So you got three guys that could eat up some of Dallas Keuchel's innings just between Lopez, Crochet, and Kopech. I, I don't think it's going to be all that difficult to uh, manage keeping them under that one sixty. I think yeah, I think that they can if they, if they want to force that issue, they could certainly figure out a way to do it. I don't think that that's Jerry Reinsdorf has already is already getting started. He's going to try to postpone the season as far as possible during the CBA. <laughs> you you hush your mouth. That is a that is fantastic. <laughs> Good point. We don't even have to worry about that because Jerry's going to try and get a 100-game season next year so he doesn't have to pay anybody their full salary. He's going to have it all prorated. So uh, next issue because I see that probably being the actual way it actually does go down because I don't think they're going to prorate the innings for his, uh, for his contract on, on top of that. Um, all right, so uh, number four, uh, perceived number four, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess we could just say Rodon. Uh, I'll give him a uh, a B plus. Um, I don't need to go over. We've talked about Rodon a lot. Um, you know, coming back from TJ, uh, being in Cy Young contention through the first half of the season, ran into dead arm. As far as I know, ran into dead arm. Still was a good pitcher. Just his uh, his innings total went down because he was his command was uh, a little bit less uh, less good with the dead arm and whatever and. Uh, he did give up some more base hits, but um, still a great effort from uh, from Rodon Saint Kyle Rittenhouse. Thank you for oh, the follow. Lord. There he is. Get the screen name. <laughs> get the get the uh, your mean dance, and then uh, oh, there he goes. Look at hey. him go. Hey, thanks for the follow. All right, so. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so uh, Carlos Rodon, where are you guys at with the uh, grade on Carlos? Xavier, go for it, bud. Um, a B plus, A minus as well. Um, you got to give him credit for everything he did coming off of an injury, and he definitely outperformed what many of us were thought. And he. Uh, uh, I forgot what else I was going to say, but yeah, we've been talking about him for quite some time. So yeah, you've been thinking about that TLR shuffle, the TLR, <laughs> yeah. the TLR shuffle threw you all off, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, I, again, I'm not going to hit on it too hard. Uh, we've been talking about Carlos uh, for the better portion of the two hours we've been on tonight. So uh, I'm just going to keep it short and simple. I'm going to go with a B plus as well. Uh, had he stayed healthy and not run into that dead arm issue, I would argue that he probably would be an A or better. Uh, but, you know, we can only go off of what we know and what we saw. And uh, that's that B. Yeah, coming from TJ, going to that, uh, you know, the only the only knock on him is that he didn't make it through the entire season, you know, and that uh, there was an issue there. And as far as, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, it's 100% to do with that. So, all right, so uh, moving forward, um, Dylan Cease. Uh, you get another season of Dylan Cease. Um, a lot of growth shown. Uh goes from one of the worst uh one of the worst in walks um middle of the pack now in walks strikeouts shoot straight to the top he's one of the tops in major league baseball in strikeouts you got some innings out of him you got some you got some good performances out of him you also got some clunkers uh the consistency is still not there uh the command is a little bit better um, definitely saw some, uh, def- definitely saw some improvement in his command. However, you know, there are still times where he loses his, uh, loses his command. You know, I mean, you saw it in the, uh, playoff game against the Astros. Uh, first inning comes out, strikes out the side. Next inning can't throw a strike. Um, whether it was because he was too amped up or, you know, or it was like a really long time in between his, you know, in between his pitching, um, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's where you see the inconsistencies is the, the ability to, uh, put that stuff aside, come out the next inning, do his job. And that's, you know, one of the things that, uh, has been a knock for a while with him, but I definitely did see market improvement there. And, uh, for the you know for for what I saw from him, I'll give him a B as well because the amount of improvement that was shown and in the specific areas that it was shown, uh, I thought that he did a he did a, a pretty stinking good job. You know, got his uh, his changeup improved, um, his command better. Uh, where are you guys at? Um, with him, I'm probably going to go like B minus, uh, for many of the same reasons. Uh, the, one of the biggest things I noticed with, uh, Dylan this year that was to change from, uh, the 2020 shortened season was we saw a lot of, uh, Lucas Giolito, you know, in between innings, uh, you know, Jason and Steve like to cut to those, uh, those shots of, uh, Lucas talking with, with, uh, dad and son talks. yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, rookie to uh, seasoned veteran. <laughs> um, but we, we noticed that uh, it seemed like uh, uh, Lucas was uh, kind of talking to him about his release point. It seemed like uh, Dylan's release point uh, was, for the most part, ironed out. Uh, those times that he did lose command seemed like it, maybe the release point kind of got away from him a little bit. His tunneling improved a ton. And the guy's got one of the highest spin rates in baseball. Uh, my biggest knock on him, I think, another time he loses command because he was uh, one of the strikeout leaders in the game. 
Uh, I kind of think he tried to take the the game into his own hands uh, a bit too often and would lose batters sometimes. And I think that's just going to be another uh, point of growth for him between this season and next. I expect to see uh, another jump in improvement from him. And I, I, that's pretty much it for him with me. I'm going uh, B minus and hopefully that's going to be uh, at least a one point, a one grade point jump for him next year. I'm giving a a B as well. Much of what you had mentioned uh, across the board, a lot of improvements. Some of the big ones was the the walks going way down on the percentage there, high strikeouts, and uh, reasons to knock him are for those tough outings where he lost his command. But a lot of those outings also happen to be against the same teams every other pitcher on the White Sox struggled against. And some of the games that he did lose command, I saw a couple where there was a couple innings where it happened. But he, uh, a, a couple games that I went to that he was pitching, I like to call them like FU pitches, where he, he gets the guy to strike out on the FU pitch and comes out of the inning clean. So I saw a handful of those innings as well. So he found, even though he had a lot of... Uh, Command issues. There was a handful of games, or even just a couple innings in those games, where he could manage it a little bit. So, I obviously the improvements, but I'm not knocking him as much in other areas because of the success. So, B is what I give. Roger that. Um, all right. So, moving along to uh, Lukey G, Lucas Giolito, uh, the. I guess you could say with what we have, uh, Coase, um, you know, because yeah, I'm not mad at that. I mean, you know, n- neither one, uh, neither he or Lynn, especially in the playoffs, has shown that uh, that Scherzer, um, you know, like that Scherzer Verlander type uh, moment where instinct. they're just yeah, where they just go out and dominate. You know, or Walker Bueller or whatever, you know. Um, uh, Colace. 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 Colace? I'm sorry. Colace. Colace. Yes, Colace. Um, So. Sometimes sometimes our chat. Oh, boy. They can can, uh, can get funny with us. um, (laughs) So, obviously. Uh, not the year that Lucas was hoping for. Um, coming off the last two seasons, um, you know, I think Lucas wanted badly to be uh, that top tier uh, ace that everybody's, you know, that every team's looking for. And uh, he st- his season started off pretty rough. Um, he got like up near a five ERA at some point, I think, in. Uh, May or June, and uh, managed to uh, swing it back, you know, later on in the year, managed to get his, uh, uh, he got, I think, what did he get down to? He got to a three-something. Um, managed to get down to a uh, 353. And, um, you know, we saw some really, you know, that, that Red Sox outing, woo that was uh that was a sight to behold um that uh Boston Marathon start uh at ten o'clock in the morning or eleven o'clock in the morning or whatever it was and uh 
saw a couple of uh, a couple of you know bad outings, and uh, he did uh, he did manage to uh, come back out in the second half and uh, and drop his ERA down a little bit. Uh, still didn't hit those heights of 2019 or 2020. Uh, as far as that goes, and then in uh, in his playoff start, uh, he did okay. Um, didn't give up a ton, but uh, was not uh, dominant like he had been against Houston and other starts, and uh, certainly didn't uh, didn't work out, you know, as he had hoped or as we hoped. And um, I'm just uh, personally. Um, you know, he still had some, uh, still had some, some great outings out there and, um, still was a, 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 you know, a fairly decent pitcher, not somebody that I wouldn't want on the roster, but, um, I'd say that he took a step back this year, uh, as far as, uh, at least as far as results and his command seemed to be a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, less, uh, consistent as well, so uh, I'm just going to give him a middle of the road C. Um, wasn't great, wasn't terrible. Had some bad outings, had some really good outings, and uh, and you know in the in the end, you know just like uh, the rest of the team just didn't get the job done. So I'm just going to say middle of the road because I didn't think he was bad. It just didn't uh, didn't necessarily uh, impact. Uh, impact the way we had hoped it you know that it would go yeah this year we we were hoping that he took that next big jump and we didn't see it for a full season that second half though was pretty strong we saw a lot of strong outings that first one i think right off the bat against houston where he had the complete game eight k's uh that's what you wanted to see for much of the season but it wasn't the case I think a C C plus is fair because um, he 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 was just average overall over the course of the year. I'm hoping we see the jump that we were supposed to see this year happen next year and become that ace that that like a Scherzer, Justin Verlander can be because uh, that second half was pretty strong. I'd say uh, two and a half ERAs. What would you like to see for the whole season? Yeah, that's yeah. See, that's the issue is that it was incomplete. You know, it yep. was it was an incomplete because that fir- the first half he had. I mean, granted, that Boston start really ballooned his ERA, and I want to say at that point in the season, I'm going to look at his game log really quick. But I want to say that his his ERA uh, after that Boston game, I want to say his ERA jumped up like four or five points or something. But uh, let's take a look. See here. Up two five five to five seven nine. Yeah. Okay. Man. So it only went up. It only went up three points. Big deal. But to yeah. work it down, and like the confidence a game like that has to do to you. Yeah. Uh, I kind of have to agree. Um, I hate to uh, you know just keep the ball rolling like we're all pretty much on the same page. We got eyes. It is. It is what <laughs> we, it is. Yeah, we know yeah, the team. Pretty much. We watch a lot of uh, we all watch a lot of games. Uh, we see a lot of the same things. Uh, the consistency just wasn't there. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just I'm I'm gonna go on the on the lighter side and chalk this up to uh, you know his intensity 
in his good outings was the intensity that we saw out of Lucas when he was pitching well in seasons past where he had that, you know, Caesar calls it the FU pitch when Dylan Cease goes up there and wings one past the guy for the strikeout. And, you know, Dylan, we, we are, I'm sorry, Lucas, we see him, he, he's doing his dance on the mound and he's pumped up and ready to go chase after a guy. You know, we see him go deep into these games. Didn't see that all season long out of him. Uh, and you mentioned that a lot of that was first half struggles. I'm just going to chalk it up to, you know, missing Eloy, missing Robert, missing uh, uh, Yaz. You know, it, it, I think the uh, the energy around the team is something that Lucas feeds on. And when you've got that many injuries, you know, I'm just going to say that uh, that might have played a role in his uh, in, in the way he pitched. Maybe not. You kind of hope that that's not the case. You 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 want your ace to uh, be able to look past those things, but uh, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I'm gonna go with uh, a C plus, just because he did kind of seem to find some things after uh, he had some time off. You know, he did miss some time, so uh, if we can get him, if we can get the pitcher that you know showed that spark in the second half next year, we could be looking at him taking that next jump. Yeah, let's hope. You know. Um, so last, well, actually, I guess technically, uh, before going to Lance Lynn, um, got some other guys. You got, uh, Kopech who did make a couple of, uh, did make a couple. And then you got, uh, Lopez also made a couple. And then you've got, uh, Mike Wright oh. and Alex McRae. Where's the gigs? And- <laughs> Where's the giggities? Well, we, yeah, we told, we told him we, that he was going to be there. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and say that, uh, as far as those guys go, um, you know, they filled they filled in where they needed to fill in. I'll give them a a B plus because they took took what they needed to to uh, to keep the team rolling. That's yeah. about that. And, the, and a lot of times, some of those were like where they were up and then back down. So they they came for the day and left. And you got to give credit that that can't be easy for these guys to have to do the. Crazy travel from minor league ball to the majors, come in, start on short notice, and then go back the next day or whatever. So yeah. that's a, that's a fair grade. There were there were a handful of those pitchers that got the uh, the the uh, the Danny Mendick uh, permanent Uber driver. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, same. Those to see uh, to see some of those guys come up and down and, and hold their own for the starts that they had. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Kopech, Crochet, Lopez. You know, we've talked about him a lot in the past few weeks and uh, what he did since he's had his LASIK surgery. Uh, I'll give those guys a B. They they stepped in. They did what they needed to do. And uh, got some decent innings out of yeah, yeah, they kept the team competitive. So, Yep. Can't, uh, can't disagree there. All right. So on to uh, the... Mid-season uh, extendee, uh, Lance Lynn. Uh, I think he got... Thank uh, you. What do you get? Three Four. years, 38? Is that right? Sounds about right. Two, yeah, something something like that. There's two years, 38? I'm just, just going to go ahead and laud that, that signing just for the simple fact that it makes me feel a little bit better about losing who we did to get him. Yeah. Yeah, which Dane Dunning you know, ended up being pretty, uh, pretty decent this year, and uh, Avery Weems also... Did some yeah. things. Uh, granted, you Losing know, advanced day, but 
losing five years of control for Dane Dunning for what's going to turn out to be four years of Lance Lynn. If we get uh, what we expect out of Lance Lynn makes that a much easier pill to swallow. And I'll just leave that at that. Let me look here. It might be, it's a two year extension. I thought, Oh, maybe. Okay. Three years total. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, what the heck is it? Uh, yeah. Two year, 38 million extension. So right. 19 million a year, not bad. Um, so Lance Lynn was in Cy Young contention uh, until now because I think he's top three in Cy Young. Uh, he is. So obviously uh, had a good year. Um, ended up the season with a uh, 2.69 ERA and uh, – Ended up throwing 157 innings, um, had 176 strikeouts. Um, Lance Lynn had some awesome moments this year. Uh, the home opener uh, came out uh, complete game shutout. Um, had some really awesome moments. Uh, the knee injury came at a uh, really inopportune time when uh, oh. the other the other guys also out at the same time as we had mentioned before um could have had home field advantage yeah i mean well there's a lot of factors to that whole thing um that we've gone over before but um yeah dunning with a 1.43 whip yeah no i yeah it's gonna take. I I wasn't expecting Dunning to go out there right away and have like a one point. No, but whip, we but we knew he was gonna be you know top two starter in the rotation that they went to. In Texas. Yeah, yeah. They don't have. They didn't really have much, but uh, you know the kids got uh, kids got a ton of potential. Yeah, and the one thing I worry about with him being on uh, Texas is whether or not they can actually develop that talent and keep it keep him going because uh, they have been uh, historically uh, generally a pretty bad team at developing talent. So that's, uh, that's another thing to, uh, to weigh when uh, looking at Dunning's results. But um, so Lance Lynn, you know, when it came to playoff time, we still didn't get the job done. You know, that was uh, Not one shocking of the, for him, actually. What? We've talked about this before. Is, yeah. As good as he is in the regular season, uh his postseason numbers are far from uh acceptable. Yeah, and we we've talked about this as well, is that uh as the season tends to go on because he puts on a lot of innings, I would imagine. I mean, I don't have that as as gospel, but uh, you know, it seems to me that uh because he does pitch so many innings that uh his you know, his numbers start to climb in the last uh month and a half of the season or so. Um, at least a, a couple of times. Um, so, you know, we don't get the thing done. I'm going to give him an A minus because Cy Young contention, uh, showed up really big in some really big spots for the team. Um, and he signed a contract extension, so that I'm happy about as well. So, uh, you know, I'll just add that in, even though it has absolutely no bearing on his on his grade per se. But, um, you know, there are there's a lot of positives from Lance Lynn, and a lot of it has to deal with um, his attitude and uh, what he's showing some of the guys that are on the staff, I think is very important. 
Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I would, you know, obviously, normally, if a guy was top three in Cy Young voting and had a two six nine ERA or whatever he had with like a one point, uh, like one point one WHIP, normally I would say a plus. But the issue again, as it was with the rest of the team, and why you know nobody's really getting a plus plus on this team is because. In the when the playoffs came around, for the most part, even if guys were hitting, there were still major issues with you know coming up big in big moments when it came to the big stage at the end of the year. And uh, for that, I will give him an A minus. Uh, still love the guy, but uh, yeah, it uh, left a left a little bit to be desired at the end of the year when uh, he's throwing fastball, fastball, fastball against the fastball hitting team and not uh, not hitting his spots uh, to the point where it was going to uh, make that difference. So uh, where are you guys at? Yeah, um, not an A plus, maybe maybe even an A A minus, just because of the success he had. Obviously, he's in the voting, but you mentioned. They came up and they lacked to perform on the big stage when they absolutely needed it most. Um, and even with his injury, I'm not knocking him down because at the, those those months we knew that we would kind of see him dip off and in some aspect because you've you've mentioned on the pod before uh, there's been history of him not being the same as the way he started. So an AA minus for a guy who in the top three for Cy Young. Yeah, I'm just going to bump that up to a straight A for myself. Uh, I would love to give the guy the A+, but again, didn't get it done in the postseason, and that's pretty much it. I, You guys have said everything that there's really nothing left for me to say. Get it done in the postseason, you'll get that A+, next year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing, is that, you know, it's a thing with, uh, with a lot of the things, you know? Uh-oh. Look at that. Hey, look at that. Kendall's got himself a Jose Abreu. Stretch your stuff. Thanks for the gifted. And uh, enjoy that. White Sox Premium K. Yeah, so... um, Yeah, so... uh, I don't know. That's uh, that's pretty much where I'm looking. And uh, we're about ready to run out of here as fast as uh, Tony La Russa. It being 1130 at night. Um, you guys got any final words for the uh, for this run? Oh boy! Oh boy! It's the TLR shuffle. Let's see it again. <laughs> there he is. I don't even have to ask. Already on top of that. Yeah. So um, let's just keep him going. Just keep him running. Yeah, he's running laps. Take a lap, TLR. For uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, you guys have to keep him going for the for the full two hours next week. He needs it. <laughs> um, so, what you guys got anything for the uh, for the uh, the end of this uh, this one? Uh, my final thought is, you know, uh, overall, we we went down the list individually. Overall, um, fairly solid season for the White Sox. They have two guys that. Potentially could have been in the Cy Young talks really up until a point where the innings uh, limits kind of got away from him. Uh, Carlos Rodon was kind of in the conversation uh, between him and Lynn. Obviously, Lynn being a a top three finalist. uh, 
and then going down the line with the other guys that maybe missing the mark a little bit. I'm going to give the overall staff uh, a C. And that's just because uh, Dallas Keuchel kind of drags it down a little bit. I would like to be able to do better. But uh, all in all, not a half-bad season. Just hope for more. And uh, that's that. That's my final thought. Xavier? No final thoughts here. Just let's keep on chugging along. Hopefully they bring their A game next year. Let's get that CBA figured out sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta agree with that. Uh, you know, obviously the, uh, the CBA is a, a big thing and spent some time on it and it's just gonna, uh, you know, let's hope it just doesn't get super ugly and, uh, see what happens, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see what kind of moves Rick Hahn's going to make and see if he can make some moves. Uh, I mean, I don't really expect anything to happen before December 1st necessarily. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did just because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to do one of those, uh, you know, strike while the, uh, the iron's hot right off the bat. So that way he can go into, uh, the lockout with, some you know yeah. at least knowing what's you know some of the things that he's gonna Let's get done lock something down before everything changes yeah <laughs> so we'll see but um before yeah so real poop hits the fan yeah I'd, uh man i hope it really i hope it doesn't get ugly but i would not be surprised um uh, i don't think there's any chance that it doesn't but yeah. that's just my thought um well this has been white Sox daily live uh Thank you for uh, coming into the chat, guys. And um, for all of you that are listening on podcast, obviously you found it in your favorite spot. But for those of you that are on stream, if you want to uh, look it up, it's uh, White Sox Daily. You find it on all your uh, all your podcast joints um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, White Sox Daily fan page on Facebook. And uh, there's a Substack White Sox Daily as well. Um, hopefully, we're going to get some articles churning out here at some point and uh, put something up on there so there is actually some content because we've been lax on it for a little while now. Um, hopefully, they you know, give us that, this that J-O-B thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, that. And uh, let's hope they give us something to write about as well as we're going into the uh, into the off season here and uh, – if the CBA doesn't get ironed out, we're going to have some some time to uh, reflect upon our uh, on our life choices. Um, so, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge for my co-hosts Xavier Sanchez and Danny Miller. Thank you for coming and taking a listen, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Have a good night. Oh,